Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue. It is Sunday. I'm going to be honest. I don't actually know the date because my brain's in holiday mode. <laughs> oh, Aaron's giving me fingers. 27th. I Woo-hoo! hope so. I was <laughs> Yes, it's the 27th, uh, folks. Oh, yeah. You know how hopeless I am with the date. <laughs> wow. So, welcome to Out of the Blue. I'm Heather. And I'm Aaron. Uh, you are listening to 3CR 855 AM. You could also be listening to online podcasting, digital radio. Streaming, there's just like a million and one ways to listen to us. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. As always, thank you so much, Philippe. Um, Before we start the show, I just wanted to put out a huge, huge congratulations to the Aboriginal communities around Uluru who have finally managed to permanently stop the climb of Uluru, and that came into effect yesterday, and I'm so excited for them. Not marine related, but still very exciting. Very exciting. I think it's nice that we're giving back to the Aboriginal community, considering the land has been there since the 80s, and only now have they finally managed to stop the climb. It's quite incredible, all the people that wanted to get there, to be the last or the last few to get the climb. But uh, it doesn't matter anymore. It's all closed. I was reading some articles about it, I guess articles from around the world, and... uh, Geez, white privilege came up a lot. <laughs> you know, did. I know it's disrespectful, but I want to go climb it anyway. Yeah, that's right. Because how, I can. How terrible is that? Oh, my God. Um, 
Now, at the moment, for those of you who don't know, the Environmental Film Festival is back on again. I think it's its ninth year this year. Fantastic film festival, which I'm volunteering at, so I'm giving it some shameless plug- plugs today. Um, if you haven't had a look at the program, the, sh- the, um, the program runs until the 1st. They've got their final closing night on November 1st. And between now and then, there are some absolutely incredible films on offer. Uh, I saw a brilliant one yesterday afternoon and it's being held at um, Cinema Nova on Ligon Street. Previously it has been at Acme, but due to Acme's renovations they have had to move this year, but Cinema Nova has been absolutely incredible. There was a film yesterday called Queen Without Land and it was by a wildlife photographer, uh, journalist, and he has spent some time on an island that's somewhere between Norway and and the Arctic. I couldn't quite picture where he was, but you know what? The gist of it is it's cold. It's cold. There's some ice there. <laughs> there's, well, there's less ice than there used to oh, be, but there's right, ice there. Right. Um, and he had come across this incredible female polar bear who he nicknamed Frost. And when he came across Frost, she had two adorable cubs. And for four years, he decides that he's just going to take it upon himself to follow Frost, along with the researchers in the area, um, to find out what she's up to and to see how she's coping with, with climate change and the loss of her ice. Which sounds absolutely fascinating and an amazing opportunity to follow a, a large apex predator for four years filming. Yeah, and look, there were times where he couldn't find her and he would return to a place where she'd been the year before and there had been sea ice and he's turned up and there's next to no sea ice left. Ah. So it means the seals have moved because the seals rely on somewhere to be able to rest. Um, so if the seals have moved, the polar bears have no option but to also move. That's right. It, it sounds like you're setting me up for a sad story here. There were Without some sad moments. Now, the, the film is only screening once, so if you missed it yesterday, unfortunately you don't have another chance to see it in the Environmental Film Festival. I'm sure you can find it elsewhere, though. Um, there are a few sad moments with her first two cups. Don't give anything away. But yes, it's setting. But it it's going to be a sad story. It's polar bears, it's the Arctic. Yeah. And it was really nice. And it was watching her, you know, teach the cubs how to hunt and how they do that really cool thing where they smash through the ice to find the seal that's hidden underneath. That's really cool. And like, part of me is like, I was really rooting for the seal. But then I was like, actually, no, I really want the polar bear to win this. <laughs> I want the polar bear to get the seal. There um, is that, that whenever I'm watching a show with, you know, maybe a. A cheetah chasing a gazelle. I want the gazelle to get away, but there's a part of me, a primal yeah. part, I'm like get it, get it. Get I know. It. <laughs> like one week, the music's like, yes, the gazelle is going to win, and then the next week, you're like, yeah, go cheetah. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's it's all to do with the narrative and what they want you to believe. Yeah. So no, it was it was really really interesting. I think everyone got a lot out of the film. I mean, we all know that climate change is happening and yes. it is real, um, but just seeing the footage where he'd show an image from one year and then show it the next year and you're like, but where did the ice go? Where did the ice go? Where did the seals go? Uh, yeah. And they had, um, there was one season, I don't know what year it was, but not a single seal cub survived. Oh, wow. Hold on, cub, pup. Oh, what are they? Are they Baby pups? seal? N- not a single baby seal survived. <laughs> it was really, really sad that they lost all of them. Wow. Um, just because of climate change and the, the krill's moving, the food's moving and then... You haven't got a fat and it was amazing. You're already making me sad here and I haven't even seen the film. Sorry. <laughs> a lot Great of the Sunday other films morning. are very Thanks, uplifting Heather. though. Oh, I don't know. There was another one last night. 
No, no, no. I swear there's some really, really good films coming up. So if you are interested in coming along and you can come and see me, I'll be volunteering at the State Library later today. We've got a fantastic panel session coming up. Um, you can go to EFA, so E-F-F-A.org.au. You'll be able to see the full program there. Um, and then you'll also be able to purchase tickets. So it's on until November 1st. And it's a fantastic opportunity to sit in a cinema with like-minded people who are all trying to save the planet and see some incredible documentaries and filmmaking. Sounds really, really good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's my third year volunteering. Fantastic. And uh, I'm really glad I've gone back. Unfortunately, I won't be there for closing night this year because on Wednesday... At 6am, I'm I'm escaping to Cairns. Oh, poor you. <laughs> I know, I know. Normally I would say I'm escaping the cold, but I mean, it was what, 33 degrees the other day? And then it was freezing. Yeah, I was cold today and then I was too hot the other day. I, I don't know which way. My body can't acclimatize to one temperature range. Nah, it's, it's, it's Melbourne at that weird yeah. time of year where yeah. you're like, do I need like a singlet top or do I need an umbrella and a jumper? Like you just, you don't know. <laughs> So when I was booking my trip to Cairns, obviously I want to get out onto the reef because, you know, the reef is incredible. At least I'm hoping it's incredible. Well, yeah. (laughs) But I put out a thing on Facebook to all my friends. I said, right, going to Cairns, what do you recommend I do? Like when I'm looking for a dive operator, what do you recommend that I do when heading to Cairns? Because it's been a long time since I've been to the Great Barrier Reef. You've been more recently, haven't you? A couple of years ago, we went to Heron Island, uh, one of the most astounding places I've ever been on Earth. And we've obviously heard a lot of the reef being in the news due to the coral bleaching. There's a whole range of other issues. There's nitrogen runoff from the farms. There's uh, crown thorn sea star. There's improper tourism. There's a Dani. There's a Dani. Yeah, that's been in the (laughs) news a lot. There's always a Dani. There's always a Dani. Hopefully not. (laughs) Heron Island is is absolutely amazing. I do recommend it for everyone. Completely, well, virtually untouched by coral bleaching uh, and as it should be. But, of course, that's not – the reef is a massive place. Um, that's not the, not the case for everywhere. There is massive damage up there. Now, Heron Island is the southern part of the that's reef. That's right, isn't southern it? part of the reef, which so was temperatures less touched. may not have increased as much. That's there correct. Yet? So, if we're talking about coral bleaching and climate change, uh, one third of the northern sector that was really heavily impacted, and I was actually Heron Island's mostly down south. Yeah, okay. very very beautiful though. Well, I haven't been to Cairns since I was about. Uh, Eight. Eight. Okay, so it might so be a little not, bit different. I'm not going to say how old I am, but that was a long time <laughs> ago. And I was obviously not a qualified scuba diver back then. I was still terrified of seaweed, um, which I kind of still am a little bit. But I know that it hides and helps really cool animals. Yep. So I'm less scared of it now. Look, I was absolutely terrified of seaweed as a kid too. When yeah. you're standing on one of those beaches and then something wraps around your leg, you're like, yeah. as a kid, terrifying. Yeah. Were you thinking like Kraken or Giant Octopus or something? I was, something's coming to get yeah. me. What is yeah. this? And what then is, I'm going to be sucked contain? under and then the sharks are going to get me. Yeah. Yeah. So much going on. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So the first couple of days I'm going to go up to the Daintree because Ooh. obviously so much of the water that 
enters our oceans is coming from the land. Yep. Um, so I really want to see, you know, the rainforest and the river systems. Obviously won't be swimming because I'm terrified of crocodiles. That's always gotten me about um, the northern parts of Australia. It's beautiful, but you can't go in the water. No. Not at least close to the beaches because you're going to get eaten. Yeah, so I'm um, going to do a lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> away from the beach? Away from the beach. Look, I've had some friends who live up, live up in Weepin. That's the top part of ah, Queensland. Yes. The stories they've given me of crocodiles, true stories, it's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I mean, Cairns I hear is beautiful and all those northern parts are beautiful. But if I cannot go in the water, it's it's, oh, it's a bit And of if you do, it's either crocs or stingers. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when tourists Summer's say that everything you. in Australia will kill you, it's like, well, not everything. What's but... the slogan for Queensland? Beautiful one day, eating the next. Yeah, that, I'm, yeah I yeah. swear that's what it was yeah, in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so heading to the Daintree. Going to spend a couple of days there. Um, and then I'm heading down to Cairns and I'm going to go out on a liverboard. Now, I'm only going up there for six days, so I've got very, very limited time to explore, but I'm going to make the most of it. Um, so I'm doing two days, two days, one night on a liverboard because if I did three, then I'd only be able to snorkel on the last day because there's no fly time before I fly. It's a lot to consider. But I'm hoping on my two days I'll at least get that teeny tiny bit further than the normal day trips would to get mm. out to the reef. Let's hope. But I still don't know what to expect. Like when I taught at a fish-related place. <laughs> the liquid zoo. A liquid that may or may zoo. not be in Melbourne that you may or may not want to mention. <laughs> when I worked at a liquid zoo, um, I taught kids a lot about <laughs> the reef and things that have changed over time. So things like, you know, in the early days you take your boat out there and you dump your anchor. Yep. Like, think about how much damage that did every single time. I know people time. who grew up in these areas and they go out they're on the boat for the day and when they're done with their rubbish, they just put it in the water. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That, mean, that's that their, that was their the mentality. Day. Yeah. And so it was really easy. You say to the kids, well, what should we do rather than dumping an anchor? And they're all like, if you could, like, attach to something that was floating. <laughs> like, yeah, you guys are getting there. This is yep. brilliant. I love it. So... I'm not expecting to see too much damage from anchors because obviously that has changed a lot. Which is fantastic. I'm a little worried about bleaching and what I might see there. Um, I'm also a little worried that in my two days I may not encounter a shark. Oh, why is that? Well, Queensland does have a bit of a habit. Obviously, probably not as far north as Cairns, but definitely in the more populated areas like the Gold Coast, they do like to put up nets. That's right. And they are very conscious of sharks mm. and they feel like the entire population feels safe if you just kill them. Mm. Which, of course, very is not the way to do things. Topic. Yeah. I, I do believe you'll see some sharks up there. They're I hope so. Maybe just the smaller ones. I'm but... not sure what species. Mm. Again, I just I don't want to research it too much in terms of what I'll see. I just want to let it wash over me. And I, I should mention it's a certain, certain calibre of person who actually goes to an area wanting to see sharks. There's a vast majority of us I know. Uh, who don't want to see sharks at all. I know. I don't know what sh sharks I actually want to see. Like, love to see a tiger, mm -hmm. but then also terrified yeah, to see I, a tiger. I, <laughs> like... I would not like... I, I know that during the day uh, I'm fairly safe. Um, in crystal clear water, it's not going to come yes. after me. It's an ambush. I know yep. all this, but there's that primal part in the back of your head just goes, nope. Nope, I'm out of there. <laughs> well, it's like that footage. I don't know if you saw it a couple of years ago. Um, somebody encountered a great white shark off Cape Shank and they were videoing it. It was really cool footage. This is the juvenile that kept on coming back? 
it did keep coming back. Yeah. I think it was quite inquisitive. Yep. But it's hilarious because whoever's videoing it, it's got this clear view. And then when the shark turns around, the scuba diver obviously retreats into the seaweed because suddenly you're like, oh, I think they're hiding. <laughs> <laughs> So, look, I don't know what sharks I want to encounter, but I, I, I hope to see some. Yes. I'd be really disappointed if I didn't. Um, not fussed either way if I see Nemo, I'm going to be honest. Seen Nemo a lot, been bitten by Nemo. Bitten by a clownfish. Oh, wow. They are really protective of their anemone. I see. And I got too close with my camera and they were doing this thing where they bite the water to make this noise. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can hear yep, them. Yep, yep. Um, And so what did I do? I stupidly got closer. <laughs> they were warning um, you. I know, I know. This is my own fault. I should really take warnings more seriously. Um, and then I got bitten. And look, it didn't hurt. But there are plenty of fish out there that I don't want to be bitten by. I almost, fish. I almost got Parrotfish. bitten once. Uh, well, I thought I was going to be bitten. I, I actually got a bit of a shock. I was out in the Wit Sundays snorkeling around through all the beautiful coral, beautiful diversity, and I was nice. the last on the boat. Okay, so everyone okay. jumped up on the boat. I was climbing up, and for some reason, I put my head down underneath the water, and a 250 kilo humphead marares was just yes. swimming towards me. Oh my god! Now I love it, it was hurtling towards me. This is a big <laughs> male. It's beautiful, but all I saw was this big mouth just coming straight towards <gasps> me. Now it just wanted attention. It was actually nicknamed Napoleon, and I know now that they're incredibly friendly. I didn't know this. Oh, <laughs> I no. I just saw this big blue thing coming, streaming towards me. Uh, and I got out of there pretty quickly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing fish and just wanted to say hello. <laughs> Were the staff on board the boat just laughing at you? Well, they didn't see it. I got oh, on because okay. it was on the boat. So I got on and said, uh, what was that? And they informed me. And now I know them really well. They yeah. are beautiful, beautiful fish. Oh, they are gorgeous. Well, it was a little bit like when I was at Heron Island a long time ago with uni and we were out snorkeling and a giant Queensland groper came over. Wow. Those like big fish, yep. not as pretty as a humphead Maori wrasse. And if you don't know, a giant Queensland groper can get to about 450 kilos. So yeah. I'm not sure if yours is that big. I but don't they can think get it huge. was that big. Okay. But when it's just looking big at you <laughs> and you're not 100% sure what it's thinking, that's it's an intimidating fish. Mm. And I have heard that sometimes, and I don't know how often this has happened, it could be one of those urban legends, but they have been known to swim over to scuba divers and like just engulf their head and then realise really? they made a mistake and then go again. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm ever a scuba diver and suddenly it goes black, like that, I'm, wow. I'm scared. Wow. I just hope I keep the regulator Eaten in my mouth and keep breathing. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how true that story is, but uh, look. <laughs> look, if, if that's happened to anyone, Don't please let, let me know. I'd love to know if it's story. true. Okay. You know? Well, we're going to go to a quick song. And then coming up next, I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the things that I'm going to be putting in place to make sure that my impact is as little as possible on the reef. So we're going to play Fisherman's Daughter by the Waifs. And this is because there is a fantastic woman in WA. Her name is Fisherman's Daughter. And she makes the most incredible mats out of fishing rope that she has collected from various places. And she weaves them into these amazing mats and baskets and she does an incredible job to reduce some of the rubbish that's in our oceans. I don't like gold and I don't like pearls I'm just a regular West Australian fisherman's daughter I'm a middle-class folk singing Guitar I've not traveled far I'm saving dollars for 
Golden, but don't like pearls. I'm just your regular West Australian fisherman's daughter. I'm a middle class folk singing guitar playing girl. Well, welcome back to Out of the Blue. Uh, we have been talking about the Great Barrier Reef, that amazing living system that is up in Queensland, which I'm going to be lucky enough to be visiting next week. Well, la-dee-da. <laughs> <laughs> Just rub I it in. I know, I know. So we were talking about the reef before and how a lot of the operators now are looking at ways to be much more environmentally friendly. And I've decided to do a few things myself to make sure that my impact on the reef is as little as possible um, because I want to spend some time out there photographing it and showing people, you know, this amazing system that, yeah, might be impacted at the moment but still needs tourists to go visit but Absolutely. in a much more eco-friendly way. And if we can push the uh, the profit of the tourism and the recognition of that, that's a really great alternative to, let's say, Adani. Not yes. That didn't go through. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I've been looking into that I am going to do to make sure that I'm having a little less impact. Um, one of the things that I heard about years ago, and I don't know if all Queensland dive operators do it, is I'm not going to be wearing gloves while scuba diving. Now, in Victoria, I usually wear, if anyone's seen me, I wear one glove, which looks weird. I'm not doing a Michael Jackson. You sure? It's just because it's I like to operate it. my camera <laughs> <laughs> with an ungloved hand. Okay. Which means in winter, that hand is so cold, yeah. it gets to a point where it struggles to operate the camera. But... If you wear gloves on the reef, there is a higher chance that you are going to grab things. 
whether it's to stabilise yourself to take a photo, stabilise yourself if you're being washed away, or you're more likely to poke things. No, No, it's it's, the fact that it it takes away that fear of being stung by something. I know that when I'm snorkeling, I often grab hold of rocks and push myself forward if I'm in really low, shallow areas, which I probably shouldn't do, but I just... Out of habit, yeah. because it's just moving through an area. I do. Uh, and if you're in a particularly fragile area such as coral, yeah, big no-no. Exactly. Um, the next thing, because I'm conscious of the coral, is that I have found some eco-friendly, reef-safe sunscreen. Oh, fantastic. So I have the Little Urchin sunscreen, and they were one of our supporters for our Radiothon trivia night last year. And their products have been certified as reef-safe. Which is great. So I'm going to be using their sunscreen while I'm on the reef. This will be the first time I'm testing it, and I have very sensitive Irish skin, um, so I burn very easily. So, so this sunscreen is, be... is still essential. Oh, my God, it's so essential. Oh. I feel like I just look out a window and I get sunburnt. So I'm really looking forward to testing out their product. I'll let everybody know how it goes. Um, but it doesn't release a lot of the chemicals that are found in regular sunscreen, which can be quite harmful to yeah. the coral reef. And if you didn't know that, it is quite um, upsetting for a lot of people because we do need to wear our sunscreen. We're out in the uh, water all day. We're going to get sunburnt. But uh, some sunscreens can release all these chemicals, which are absolutely detrimental to a whole variety of species, not just the coral, although it can cause some bleaching. Uh, it can really hurt fish, uh, reducing their fertility. Uh, it can uh, impair photosynthesis in green algae. Uh, it can even end up in dolphins. Oh, well, nobody wants to hurt the dolphins. <laughs> um, and the lucky last thing I'm going to be doing is when I finish diving on the reef, so I've got my two days out there, I'm going to be ensuring that all my equipment is thoroughly washed in fresh water and dried before I bring it back to Victoria because it can be so easy to transfer the larvae of many, many species from location to location. And to be honest, if I'm diving in the beautiful warm waters of Cairns, I can't imagine those species will survive in the freezing cold waters of Melbourne. But I still don't want to be bringing anything back and transferring it. And that's a general rule for diving in general. If you're diving around Victoria, dry your gear before locations because you don't want to bring something like the Northern Pacific Sea Star from place to place, which has invaded so many different locations. Really good general for any adventure activity if you're doing it between localities, hiking, uh, scuba diving, whatever. So unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show this week. While I'm away, I am going to try and do a detox of all technology except my camera um, because I want to take lots of photos. So when I get back, I will post uh, on our Facebook page about what I thought of the reef. And for anyone else who's been there and has any advice, please post on our page. I'd, you know, want to get the most advice and get the most out of my time while I'm up there. Um, if you love the show, also follow us on our Facebook page. Just search for Out of the Blue. Uh, our email address is on there. You can send us an email if there's anything you want to hear about on the show. Or if you'd like to be a guest, you are allowed to say, I want to come on the show and talk to our masses. You've got to have something interesting to say. <laughs> well, I question whether we always have something oh, interesting yeah. well, to say. Compared to us, that'd be great. <laughs> Okay, so enjoy your Sunday, which we now know is the 27th. (laughs) And coming up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. So we'll see you later.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.